Hi, everybody, and welcome back to this week's episode of Cozy Clicks Podcast. This week, we are diving into topics that have been haunting us all week. We don't tend to get into topics that are too intense, but this week we are touching on subjects that involve criminal activity. So if you want to know what stories have not left our minds, grab a snack and a coffee or tea and stick around. But before we get into this week's episode, Lizzie, how are you? How was your Thanksgiving? It was great. I had a lot of fun. Thank you for asking. How about you? Mine was great too. Had a lot of fun. Ate a lot of yummy food. Amazing. Love that. I have a couple questions post Thanksgiving for you. Well, I guess one question and then one little thing I wanted to touch on that we talked about. I don't know if it was last week or the week before. I think it was last week, but I'm happy for you to ask me. What did you bring for Thanksgiving? It was pretty simple. I brought glazed carrots, honey glazed carrots. So actually more delicious than I thought it was. That sounds really good. Honey, honey glazed carrots. What about you? What did you bring? I brought two things. One is unconventional. So pigs in a blanket, which Mm. I think can be eaten at any time. And there, everybody was like bringing Thanksgiving food. Everybody was bringing like the main dishes, the side dishes. So I just wanted some finger food. So I made pigs in a blanket, nice and easy. And then I also made maple bacon wrapped Brussels sprouts. Ah, delicious. It was the it was like the first time that I tried making anything bacon wrapped. So, you know what? I was proud of myself for it being the first time. Can say it was 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. I will make it for all of you if I ever meet you. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. She's, we got to hold her to it, everyone. Myself included. (laughs) Even though I would make it for Lizzie whenever. Um, Okay. Second Thanksgiving thing that we talked about on this very podcast. Lizzie, I think that you had saw, or... I think that you saw something I did regarding this topic that we talked about a few weeks ago, which was deep frying your turkey. Oh my goodness. When I saw a video, two videos actually, of people dumping their turkeys into a giant, I guess, pot of hot oil over an open fire, then proceeded to set their entire home on fire within seconds after dunking it i immediately had to message you i was like ashley deep fried turkeys we need to give a psa psa so i am sure that these deep fried turkeys are delicious but we went down this like rabbit hole of seeing the horror stories of the deep fried turkeys And when it's bad, it gets really bad. Like their whole house is on fire. And I think it was like the fire department saying something about these deep fried turkeys, like not to make them. Um, It's probably more common, I want to say in the South Hmm. than here where we live. And I'm sure that maybe the experienced deep fried turkey makers can do it more efficiently than someone who is like beginning Um, or a beginner to deep frying turkeys 
But yeah, we saw some really crazy things happen with those deep fried turkeys. So I can say that it doesn't look like for the foreseeable future, we will have deep fried turkeys for Thanksgiving. No, I can't imagine. I just want to paint a quick picture. But if for those that are curious, just type in anywhere, TikTok, YouTube, whatever, deep fried turkeys, fire. That's all you need to write. And you will see what I saw is people were using a string pulley system. So that's some kind of mechanism that would pull a string from your ceiling. And they were dunking their turkeys with just a string down to this hot pot of oil. And again, with an open flame fire underneath it. So as you can imagine, as the turkey got dunked and the oils overflowed, oil ignited that fire and then again in seconds ignited everything around it so psa don't recommend it so it also looks like whoever did these turkeys that ignited the fires overfilled their oil or their grease so if you guys are dead set on no pun intended if you guys are set on making a deep fried turkey do not do not psa overfill your Um, deep fryer with oil because in the event that it overflows which is common sense right um if it overflows and the open fires underneath everything is catching on fire so for your safety and the safety of your property and your belongings and your family member and your friends please do so safely if you are going to continue deep frying your turkeys or have a fire extinguisher on hand make sure i'm sure this is all common sense and things that you all probably already do but we just want to keep you guys safe so it's just a gentle reminder absolutely so we're not against it just want you to be safe one more thing about the south and what about it okay so we're we live on the west coast haven't really been to the south never been to texas no i've never been to texas Mm, okay you've been to texas barely i barely got to see it but you've also not been long to Tennessee. That is just, oh, I forgot. You're right. I yeah. have. I have. Good not me. There. I've been to New York. That's the East. It kind of, in many ways, especially New York City, mirrors our location in terms yeah. of like, you know, what they do. Anyways, that's beside the point. I've never been to the South. And I got into listening to what everyone's favorite dishes were on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And apparently stuffing what we know as stuffing they call dressing so I did not know yeah I've always heard dressing like Thanksgiving dressing right mm-hmm. I always assumed that whoever was saying this was referencing gravy or like a sauce like a sauce I never knew that dressing was used in place of stuffing but it's oh. the same thing see I didn't know that either. oh my uh, obviously, as we say this, we're born and raised in the Bay Area. We wouldn't know. But for those who may be listening that are from the South, apologies, we had not known. But this is very cool to, to see and understand. Why do you call it dressing? Specifically, from stuffing to dressing, why is that different? Because to me, stuffing makes more sense because we are literally stuffing it right into the turkeys, you know what? So that's the thing is they say that there's dressing isn't stuffed in the turkey and so they were like we don't stuff at least 
I can't speak for everyone, but the ones that I have heard speak on this say that they don't stuff their turkeys. We don't stuff our turkeys either. Our stuffing comes out of the oven and in a little dish. Oh yeah, we keep it separate. We keep it separate. Like we, I did stuff a turkey. We ha- yes, we have stuff yes, we yeah. have stuffed a turkey. We, we just didn't eat the stuffing in the turkey. It was right. more for aromatics and um, it was yes, you know, to give it a little bit of flavor. I guess when mm-hmm. we carved into the turkey, we didn't actually eat what we had stuffed inside the turkey. Mm-hmm. Mainly, we stuffed apples and onions and stuff in the right, turkey. Aromatics. I am not afraid of getting all up in there in that turkey if it means my turkey is going to taste better. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so from what I read, they said, no, we don't stuff our turkeys. That's why it's called dressing. Mm, but so it's where like do they put it? Off the side in, in a dish, oh, kind of like we okay, do. Okay, so then thus you are literally dressing it around. Oh, okay. Our, what is it? Redacting. <laughs> Redacting. Redacting the my comment okay now that i know thank you for telling me yeah i don't know i was i thought that was a little interesting that is interesting so if anyone has any more differences that they think that we do here on the west coast and you guys do in the south which i'm sure there's plenty but maybe specifically for thanksgiving if you guys do anything different i would love to know i'm just curious thanks for sharing ashley So I'm going to just pivot really quick to one of my weekly updates I wanted to provide. So Spotify has announced today um, for their wrap-ups that Taylor Swift has been announced as the most streamed artist globally of 2023, ending Bad Bunny's three-year streak. So following after Bad Bunny, who was the second most streamed artist, it was The Weeknd, then Drake. As a quick question for you, Ashley, who did you get as your most listened artist? Maybe this will come as a surprise to few. Maybe it won't come at a surprise at all or as a surprise at all. My top artist was Taylor Swift, and I was in the top 2% of listeners on Spotify this year. No way. Yes, I was. Are you telling me you're a Swifty? I guess so. Oh my gosh, what a shocker. So, (laughs) so my most listened to song on Spotify, number one song was Drumroll Please, Maroon by Taylor Swift. Oh, I love that. All righty. Well, I wanted to add an extra tidbit here um, just because I did see this. Because of Spotify doing this announcement of all these artists and, you know, giving everyone a fun little fun facts, Spotify had provided little Yachty with a little yacht. <laughs> that's crazy. Isn't that fun? That's, that's, that's a cute thing to, to find out. I'm like, I like oh, how okay. it's a play on his name. It is. Spotify knows how to uh, engage with both their uh, listeners and their artists. So I think that was really cool. But a yacht? I can only imagine. <laughs> It's on brand. One last thing before we jump into our main topic. So for those of you, including you, Ashley, who were streaming Taylor Swift the most for this year, did you get a little message from Taylor Swift? I did get a message from Taylor Swift herself. She was right there on my phone. She Mm -hmm. said thank you for listening to her music. And I think that she appears kind of like a little fairy she appears (laughs) when you 
like reached a certain level of listens on Spotify. Because mm. I don't think everybody got it. Hmm. I think you're right. Especially um, for those who may have had a different most listened artist. I would wonder if that artist gave them like a little message too. Oh, you know what? You're right. Because... And I think they did a lot of artists because I got quite a few artist messages. Like oh. Taylor Swift was on the only one on my um, Spotify like wrapped. But there's a separate section called videos from artists. And oh. I think those were like if you listened a lot to them, you got more. So I also got a video from Ed Sheeran. Nice. I got a video from Olivia Rodrigo. Oh, that's cute. That's fun. I got a video from Selena Gomez. Love. I got a video from Bad Bunny. And this is the, <laughs> here's the thing. I know a lot of you love Bad Bunny. I don't have anything against Bad Bunny. I just don't listen to him very often. So how I got a video from Bad Bunny, I don't know. I listened to one of his songs, like just one. And I'm sure you guys can guess which one. It was like a more popular one. And so that that's all. That's all I listened to. And he appeared. So I feel like he would have been better placed with one of you guys that love him. Um, but so happy that I got a video. Yeah, I got a message. Yeah. yeah. And I, I chuckled because the, the fact that I knew that ahead of time. That is why. Not because it's Bad Bunny or anything. But it is funny when you just listen to one song and they, the algorithm's like, you must love this artist. Here's more stuff of them. I'm like, no, I just heard like one song. Yeah, so you were you were right, Lizzie. You do get videos from different artists depending on who you listen to. Yeah, so for those who want to share, drop us a line at our Cozy Clicks podcast email. We read every single email that you guys send. We do. Jumping right on into this week's main topic, we told you guys that we have some stories that have been haunting us this week. And stories that, you know, the moment we heard it, we couldn't get out of our minds. And they're pretty juicy. Lizzie, would you care to share the story that you have for us this week? Everybody get ready for this whirlwind of a ride. All right, here we go. So singer Cassie Ventura, she filed a lawsuit against P. Diddy on November 16th. And here's what happened. The federal lawsuit against P. Diddy holds the following allegations. One, punching, beating, kicking, and lastly, stomping Miss Ventura. Two, rape and other forced sex acts with male sex workers. Three, blowing up an acquaintance's car. Four, dangling a friend over the 17th floor balcony. Five, asking her to carry his gun in her purse. These were alleged intimidation tactics to keep Miss Ventura under his thumb. Those were the following allegations from Cassie's side. Wow. For those of you who aren't familiar, Cassie is the one who sang Me and You back in the early 2000s. And I believe that she also dated or was in a really long relationship with P. Diddy, I will let Lizzie jump into those facts. But these are the allegations that she filed a lawsuit against P. Diddy for. 
You're absolutely right. And just like a quick note before I jump onto Peduti's side, they had a 10 year long relationship that started when she was 19. 19? 19. That's really young. Do and you- I know that you think that you're old enough by that age, but honestly, you don't really know what's going on. No, you definitely don't. You're still really young. You're just getting out of high school. I have a question for you. Do you happen to know the age difference between P. Diddy and Cassie? Their age gap is 17 years. 17 years? Mm-hmm. So imagine 19-year-old Cassie, the singer, was hanging out and having these romantic relationships with a 36-year-old man. That is a really big age difference. And I have always said, and I continue to say this, age differences at pivotal points of your life, like when you're 19, your early 20s, like if you have a 10 plus age difference, there's a chance it can work if there's, if both parties treat each other with respect and, you know, do what's best for each other, you know, have a genuine relationship. Mm-hmm. I definitely think relationships could work. There are definitely a lot of celebrity couples like Blake Lively and um, Ryan Reynolds who have age differences who we love, right? Mm-hmm. But age differences when you're 19 and you're 36, those are, that's huge. And that's a monumental time period. I do feel very passionately about this because at this point, like I said, she may be a year or two out of high school. Mm-hmm. She's not even 21, right? right? She can't even get alcohol. She can't you know, do a lot of things. And she meets this older man who's 36. Now they started dating when she was 19, which means that he knew her before. Right. right? It doesn't just pop up right at night. Right away. And right. I feel like, was there any, and I'm throwing this question out there. I don't know the facts. I just want to say, I just want to say that I have no idea and I'll let everyone come to their own conclusions. But this is the age where we see a lot of grooming. Absolutely. And I want to just pull in Demi Lovato. And I forget his name. Wilmer Balderrama. Thank you. She wrote such a beautiful song about when she got to his age when he met her. Correct. The title is 29. Mm-hmm. So imagine you get to that age of, you know, you've learned a lot of things. Like now you've gone through huge milestones. It doesn't have to be hitting a certain age as a number. But once you go through your 20s, you realize hard lessons that teach you certain things about not only about your own character, about other people's character. And those are lessons that teach you how to make much better judgments and better choices for yourself. So imagine being in their shoes at that age and realizing, wow, so this is what it was like for you to meet me at a younger age with all this knowledge, with all of these advantages against me who knew nothing, nothing but just hope and optimism, right? Because when you're young, you're like, you're like, oh yeah, I totally know what I'm doing. I'm optimistic. I think I can do, you just think you know a lot of things, right? You think you know, but you, you truly don't. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Absolutely not. Because we've all been there. We've all been there. We just don't have the life experience, right? He has 17 years on her. 17 years. 
he was about to get out of high school before she was born. Yeah. He had his first relationships, you know, however his life was at that moment, he had all that. Then when she hit 17, the age he was when he, when she was born, he was already, uh, you know what, I'm horrible at math, but who knows how old he was, right? Already Mm. in his 30s. I'm just going to pull this line from Demi Lovato's 29, because the whole thing is she was 29, and then she says 17, 29, because she was 17, and he was 29. That being Demi Lovato was 17, Wilmer Valderrama was 29. She wrote the song when she turned 29. Mm-hmm. So the line is, finally, 29, 17 would never cross my mind. Thought it was a teenage dream, a fantasy, but it was yours. It wasn't mine. Wow. Which is insane because I'm 29 and I can agree absolutely to the T that 17 would never cross my mind. Yeah. Ever. But, but that's the whole question. Why would 17 cross your mind as a 29 year old or 36 year old even? Yeah. Let's tie this back to P. Diddy, why would 19, why would you be actively seeking a 19-year-old at 36? Exactly. What are these thoughts that you have? What are your intentions? And then I'm sure there's a power dynamic. She was an upcoming singer, right? Mm -hmm. She was young, impressionable, and he had been in the industry for so long already at that point. Right. With money, stuff to offer her strong influence strong influence and i'm sure that was really appealing right when someone with that kind of caliber is shining a a small spotlight onto you you're like wow i feel special i feel like i'm seen i feel like somebody sees something within me but unfortunately when you're that young you don't stop to not all of you but For those that may not pause and ask the question of, but why? Why me? And why them? Why do they see something in me? Why are they taking so much interest in me when so many other people don't? And you don't see it, you know? And I want to reiterate, it is absolutely never the fault of the victim. It is absolutely never the fault of the young person. You are young. The person who is has been an adult for 17 plus years now, like they are the ones who hold the most responsibility. They know what they're doing. At that age, you don't always know what you're doing. As much as you think you do, you don't. So I believe that it truly falls on the person who is older. Older and wiser. You should know better. You should know better. Like Olivia Rodrigo said. She did. Take a listen to her songs too. I, she was also my number three on Spotify rap. My so, um, but yes, going back, they had been dating for 10 plus years. Mm-hmm. All these allegations of abuse, both sexual and physical, have right. popped out. That's kind of where we left off. That's where we left off. So again, so those were all of Cassie's side and, and her allegations. Now, let me walk you guys through. P. Diddy's side from the attorney's comments are as follows. 
Ms. Ventura demanded $30 million from Combs under a threat of writing a tell-all book. Ms. Ventura has now resorted to filing a lawsuit riddled with baseless and outrageous lies aiming to tarnish Mr. Combs' reputation and seeking a payday. That's what the that's what P. Diddy's lawyer is. Yes, his attorney has making all these comments. So let me ask you guys this. Who is P. Diddy's attorney anyway? Well, who is he? I'm glad you asked. His name is Benjamin Braffman, known for representing high profile defendants, including celebrities, notably for representing Harvey Weinstein. Oh, no. Interesting that P. Diddy chose him interesting that this lawyer this attorney seems to have controversial and maybe not even just controversial on harvey weinstein but you know a certain type of person that he defends exactly like what and this is a side tangent as a lawyer as an attorney why do you decide to take these cases i just want to know why for yeah. those who can't see, I'm rubbing my fingers together. Which is crazy. Like, how do you sleep at night? I'm just saying, because I know some lawyers and, you know, it's an honorable profession. I know. But I'm just saying, I don't think I can do that. It seems very, very hard. Right. That is hard, right? When you're representing, you you have to at least go under the assumption that this person truly is being uh, maybe misrepresented or being defamed right so one would think like okay if mr combs is being you know wrongly accused just like johnny depp right johnny depp versus amber heard crazy allegations also similar allegations that amber heard placed onto johnny depp but come to find out his amazing team did a phenomenal job just slashing down every single comment every single allegation that's ever made to mr johnny depp and proved her wrong i love his team i loved his team amazing 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 so if there's every a movie made about that trial i'm watching it there's one on netflix <gasps> i don't oh i think God. it's a docu-series i, I don't that. know if it's like a movie not i'm not know. sure but yes i did see it i don't I know if it's out yet or if it's coming out in december we gotta look we go we're gonna check back onto that we will check back on that for you all right, so let me wrap this up. So that's P. Diddy's side from the, what the attorney has said. As mentioned earlier, this lawsuit was filed on November 16th. And as of what I understand today, it was amicably settled by both parties on the 17th. That was fast. That was incredibly fast. Mm-hmm. In addition, the attorney... Benjamin Braffman himself has stated, just so we're clear, a decision to settle a lawsuit, especially in 2023, is in no way an admission of wrongdoing. What's everyone's thoughts on this? I want to hear your guys' thoughts. I have a lot of thoughts, but that will be a whole conversation for another day. I need to kind of pick my jaw up off of the floor. Mm Mm-hmm. Who knows? We There may be more things that come out of this, but that's one of the stories that's been haunting my mind for a while. And on this podcast, I truly believe that too many women aren't believed when they come out and speak against domestic violence. So 
in this case, I'm going to go ahead and say that I sympathize with Cassie and I truly think that her coming forward is very powerful of her. It's very mm-hmm. strong of her. It's, I can't imagine that it's easy to do. Right. So with all those allegations, I would be terrified as well. Oh my gosh. If you're going to dangle my friend over a balcony like that, I absolutely, I absolutely empathize with Cassie. I absolutely do too. And if there are any updates, we will definitely keep you guys updated. Thank you for sharing that story, Lizzie. No, thank you for letting me share. Well, enough about mine. I want to hear your story. Kind of shifting gears here. I recently came across this video that's been going around YouTube. It's from a channel called Channel 5, Channel 5 News. And the host or the person who is behind the channel, his name is Andrew Callahan. So the whole documentary goes and kind of explains what's going around in San Francisco, all the rise in crime in San Francisco, and the current state of San Francisco and everything. There's a lot of drug use being in the tenderloins. And I think that's where he starts his video off is in the tenderloins, talking to people about why, you know, they do drugs and stuff like that, or, Mm -hmm. you know, getting, and I was surprised that he actually went out onto the, in the tenderloins to talk to these people, because I feel like a lot of people would be afraid to go. I wouldn't want to go. That's just me. I don't feel, I'm not a San Francisco native. I wasn't born in San Francisco or raised in San Francisco. So I feel like I'm a little bit more wary than, um, maybe the people who are native to the area. So from what I gathered in this documentary, they say that basically San Francisco allows drug use in the tenderloins or kind of turns a blind eye because if they allow them to have an area to do their drugs, maybe they wouldn't take it out into other areas. So it's kind of like saying like, you're allowed to do this, but you're allowed to do this in this area. So they kind of turn a blind eye. They kind of let things happen there. And in the video, you see a lot of cops just pulling up and driving by and they kind of don't do anything to stop it. It's kind of like do it here, but don't take it out into other parts of San Francisco. It's like the cool mom at that one kid's party. It's like, you kids can drink, but just drink in my house. Yeah, do it at the house and stuff. But it's it's awful because if you think about it, there's still kids that are going to school in these areas. And I saw that kids were getting off the school bus and like there was a whole bunch of or I don't know if it was a school bus or a regular bus, but they were little kids and there were so many people there just doing drugs or just like high off of their drugs and stuff like that. And I want to say the drug problem is another thing. Um, I know that has a lot of layers on it. I don't want to stigmatize anything when I know it's multifaceted, but I do want to say that in San Francisco, there just needs to be something needs to something needs to change. Something needs to change. There's kind of a lot going on over there right now. And it's not just the drugs. So in the video, it also said that the crime rate has shot up in San Francisco. The lady said about 15%. She was a cop. But from my understanding, it's a little bit more, right? It's going to look like a whole lot more once you're in there. You're like, whoa. It does look like a whole lot more. So I don't exactly have the number for you guys. As I said, if you guys want to do a deep dive into this or... 
at least watch the video. You guys can. It's Channel 5 News with Andrew Callahan. But mainly the issues are burglary, car robbery, snatching phones, graffiti. Um, It's gotten so bad that places have started locking up their ice creams because people have stolen them. People are getting their cars broken into broad daylight. People are doing graffiti, broad daylight. Um, Cars are getting, you know, broken into, stolen left and right. Apparently, like you can't walk around San Francisco with your cell phone out because it will get snatched out of your hand. And I've been to San Francisco multiple times. I'm not native to the area, but I am native to the Bay Area. And so going up there has always been common for me. And you too, Lizzie. Mm -hmm. So we know San Francisco very well. But I've never, honestly, this is what they're saying. I've always had my cell phone out in certain areas. Nothing's ever happened to me. I've never been in an area where I've truly felt super unsafe. Um, But I do know that there's a lot going on. I do want to chime in about the cell phone theft. I do remember being on any transit. So bus, light rail train bart i always have to hold my phone in a specific manner i know on the news our local news here had educated us on how to hold our cell phones if we're ever just texting or just you know watching something on our phones they always advise to take your index finger and hold it over on the top of your phone if you're ever just holding it out and texting people because if you just leave your whole phone vertically hanging out and you're right by the doors, it's very easy for someone to snatch it right out of your hands and run run out and the doors close on you and it's gone. I've witnessed it myself twice and it's really sad when you see it happen to someone. And I will say that you've taken public transportation to San Francisco way more often than I have. So we will take your advice on that and just be careful if you're doing Caltrain, if you're doing Muni, If you're visiting, just it's still fun to go visit certain areas. Just the main thing is your car could get stolen or your your car items can get stolen. Your cell phone could get stolen. Mm -hmm. So just be aware at all times. In this documentary, they were also interviewing criminals and and the criminals, they had their faces blurred out, but they were basically saying that they were encouraged to pursue crimes because there's basically no repercussions. So to give a little context to that, stealing for them under 950 is just a misdemeanor. And so what they were saying is that they get a citation if they were, if they stole under 950. So grand theft is a felony, but that's after you steal 950. So you can still steal a whole bunch of items under $950 and just get a slap on the wrist and a citation. So they're basically saying that they're encouraged to do it and that because there's no repercussions in San Francisco, it just continues to happen. These criminals said that they don't even live in San Francisco, but they come from surrounding cities to do their crimes and return back to where they live because these crimes wouldn't fly in other Bay Area cities. Mm -hmm. It would not fly in our city for sure. Um, if you try to pull any of this in our city, guaranteed you have like 15 cops trying to pull you over. <laughs> There's like a full on chase. You are not getting away. That's just the way it is in our city. Um, but yeah, San Francisco apparently like 
is having a little bit of issues controlling their crime. All this had made me start wondering, why are they getting away with this stuff? Now, to be honest, I really don't know. I really don't know what's going on. A lot of people aren't happy with the mayor. A lot of people aren't happy with the policies. Um, There's just so much going on over there. But one of the claims is there's not a lot of space in the jails. And so for them, stuff is like petty or petty crimes and stuff. So I'm not really sure. But it all made me start thinking. When they said that there was no space, it caught me thinking about Alcatraz. What? (laughs) Because Alcatraz is right there. And it's, you know, currently vacant as a tourist spot. And of course, like there were several reasons why you can't reopen Alcatraz and throw people in there or anything. (laughs) But I did a little deep dive into Alcatraz. And so I'm kind of wrapping up the San Francisco talk. Like if you guys want to see that video, please go ahead and do so. I can go ahead and link that in the description for you. I just want to make a quick note of something though i will link the video but this man andrew callahan has recently been in the public eye for sexual assault allegations which i did not know prior to watching the video um i think that's still ongoing so i don't know if you know if you want to watch that i think that's up to you but moving on from san francisco Getting into Alcatraz for no particular reason besides the fact that I was very interested in the state of San Francisco. I looked into Alcatraz, been there a couple times, you know, it's one of the main tourist attractions. What I did not know was that it was for a brief period home to some of the most prolific criminals. Oh, do tell. There's several of them, but two that I made note of. One is somebody named Machine Gun Kelly. <laughs> what? Which his name is George Kelly Barnes. And he oh. was, you know, he was housed there. If you guys want to look him up, go ahead. The reason that I am bringing him up is because I didn't realize there was another Machine Gun Kelly out there who was a criminal, like a prolific criminal. And that I didn't know either. Yeah. And I was like wondering if that's where MGK got his name. Yeah. That's, that's what I thought too. But sorry, go on. So moving forward from that, actually, just a little side note. I heard Machine Gun Kelly is trying to change his nickname to Just Machine. Oh my gosh. And, really? Yeah. And like some people are like kind of poking fun at him for that. <laughs> I just recently saw that. But the main person that I saw that was housed in Alcatraz was Al Capone. What? I forgot. Now, I did a little deep dive into Al Capone just because I was genuinely interested in his story. And he was housed there in August 1934. However, he got really sick. And he was incredibly sick, actually. So much so that Alcatraz actually released him in November 16, 1939. He was referred to john hopkins hospital in baltimore for treatment he had syphilitic paresis but because he was such a prolific criminal and had a bad reputation john hopkins hospital refused to treat him i don't know if hospitals can still decline treatment today this was in the 1930s but ultimately union memorial hospital was willing to take him in as a patient 
Capone was very grateful for them accepting him as a patient that he ended up giving them two Japanese weeping trees that I believe are still up to this day. But back to the state of Al Capone. Al Capone had syphilis, a very advanced form of syphilis that actually ended up going into his brain and attacking his brain. Because he had syphilis, and I kind of have to look up every single thing out there on the internet when it comes to illnesses and bacteria. So I did a little deep dive into syphilis. And everybody knows it's an STD, or a lot of people know that it's an STD. It's caused by bacteria, and it spreads through sexual contact most of the time. It can also be spread from mother to baby um, during childbirth. So I believe that mothers are tested just to make sure that you're okay. Here's what got me. Syphilis starts with a plethora of symptoms and there's, I believe, a few stages. There's primary syphilis and it's the first symptom of syphilis where it's like sores. Secondary syphilis, which happens after. If you guys want to know the symptoms, feel free to look them up. The reason I'm bringing this up is because in both primary and secondary syphilis, they both have different symptoms. You can have those symptoms, which are like open sores and rashes, and they will clear up. The symptoms will clear up and they will heal, but the syphilis can still be in your body and be a part of your body without you even really knowing that you have this in your body. Now, because I am such a hypochondriac, I have been doing a little bit more deep dive into there and some of the symptoms can't even appear or can appear up to 18 to 43 years later like you'll have your initial symptoms it'll clear up and then 18 years down the line 40 years down the line you have a more advanced form of syphilis which can ultimately be deadly if it gets to your brain when al capone had his syphilis they got him when he was at his advanced form of syphilis and it had already started progressing to his brain he had it for he likely had it for a long time without even realizing that he had it due to it being in the 1930s i think they were just seeing the emergence of antibiotics which is the main form of taking care of syphilis and like curing it because it is important to note that syphilis can be cured as long as you get treatment for it once it's in its early stages, it can be cured. Once it gets to further stages where it can potentially get to your brain, that's when it becomes a little bit difficult to treat. And since it was the 1930s, there wasn't a lot of options for antibiotics. Penicillin was just emerging, and which is now antibiotics is like the main treatment for syphilis. Al Capone was actually one of the first people to get tested and put on antibiotics for his syphilis. And it did slow down the progression of it, but ultimately he couldn't recover from it because it had gotten too far. In 1946, the physician and a Baltimore psychiatrist examined him and concluded that his brain mentally was of a 12-year-old child. So it had gotten pretty far. Eventually, he did succumb to some of the complications that he had because of his illnesses And you know what? He is no longer here and he hasn't been since the 1947. But because I'm a hypochondriac, I just wanted to share this information with you all. It is possible to have had an outbreak of syphilis and not know that you have it. Have had symptoms, they recover. Have had other symptoms, they recover and you might feel fine. 
but it can linger in your body for years and years and years and years, like up to 43 years without progressing. Luckily, I do believe that at every yearly checkup, they screen you for STDs, they screen your blood. If you believe that you have had contact or are unsure in any way, you can definitely ask your provider to perform some blood work on you to make sure that you're doing okay. It is 100% curable if you catch it in its early stages. So do not fret. Do not fret. It can be cured with antibiotics. Thanks for sharing all of that, Ashley. Now let's move on to our closing segment. For this week, we want to provide some feel-good stories just in the spirit of transitioning out of Thanksgiving. What I wanted to share with everyone is a story about Casey McIntyre a beloved Brooklyn mother and wife who unfortunately passed away from ovarian cancer. The amazing story out of this is that she is such a wonderful person that she has decided to give thousands of dollars to help other people with medical debt after her death. That is truly giving from the grave. I think that's such a wonderful thing. This is truly being... um, generous with truly nothing nothing wanting in return that's amazing and when I saw the news of this on November 16th it was dated saying it has raised over 130k from her page from the RIP medical debt as of today I was shocked to see that it has raised over $820,000 between the 16th and today, which is the 29th, I believe. So a little over 10 days. Wow. That's amazing. I am so sorry for the loss of her family. I'm so sorry that she left this earth far too soon. Far too soon. But she definitely decided to contribute in a miraculous way, in a way that's going to impact the lives of so many others. Absolutely. I just want to say... Casey McIntyre's legacy is, I mean, at this point, it's been imprinted on this earth. I can definitely say, like, this story has touched my heart. Like, her whole family, her friends, and her loved ones, like, they must be so proud of just knowing her and the legacy she's left. So that's my feel-good story for this week. Thank you so much for sharing that. If anybody is interested, we are going to be leaving the GoFundMe down below for you guys. You guys can check it out. You guys can donate if you'd like. To add to the feel-good news of this week, I do want to share that there is something called Angel on a Tree that is brought up by the Salvation Army. They go ahead and select children and families who are underprivileged or who are going through tough times and take down their kids' needs or their Christmas wishes and they stick them on a tree and if you like they have them up for the community to go ahead and select a child or two so that way they're able to take their what they would like or what they would need and purchase gifts for them for Christmas. If you're interested in being an angel for these kids, Salvation Army has set these up in Walmart. They set them up in Bass Pro Shop or Salvation Army themselves. So you can go ahead and select a child to hopefully fulfill some Christmas wishes. That I link, love that. Yeah, it is 
so cute definitely gonna be looking for the angel on our tree in our area that link will also be in our description along with the gofundme okay so it's not a gofundme for casey mcintyre my apologies it is a website in her name all right that wraps up this week's episode thank you everyone for listening to our episode and we hope you enjoyed it we know there was a little bit of um interesting turns we took but we thought that you know it would be pretty fun one this week to just bring in some of those juicy stories but we hope you enjoyed our ending segment for some feel-good stories bye everyone bye